You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Hour two of the Daily Tip starts right now on the BetQL Network. We're going to be starting off the hour hot with the best of the best. Two teams punching their ticket to the Super Bowl, but there can only be one MVP Monday. At 7.20, what's next for the Ravens and the Lions? Can Lamar actually win the big game? Did Dane Campbell's aggressiveness go too far this time? Plus the betting lessons that we have learned along the way. At 7.40, what's next for Bill Belichick? And maybe a little sprinkle of college hoops talk uh jenks i figured i would ask you this because there Mm -hmm. are very few people that could probably understand this problem that i have when i watch these nfl games i am incapable of watching the game without thinking every single catch every single touchdown and every single play gosh should have played that i should have seen that coming do you ever watch a game and somebody goes off and you're like god i knew it I should have played that bet, and I didn't like a true coward. Do you watch the game like this, or am I a psychopath? Well, you're a psychopath, number one. But no, true. you're not a psychopath. No, I, I, I do this, but I just do it differently. So I think you definitely do a, a more robust job of watching more things live than I do because I am old and I go to bed earlier, and then also – like where I feel like you and Jake probably watch a lot more sports together. Catherine and I will watch some sports, but then I'm like, all right, I got to give this girl a break because she's not as hardcore of a sports fan than I am. So that's when I delve into my Netflix corner. So what I do a lot of, though, is the next day when I get up early and I start box score checking and reading about games and looking at highlights in preparation for the show, I'm like, oh, I should have bet that. Oh, I should have bet that. Oh, I should have bet that. But what I try to do to keep myself sane is, like, last week, I was like, dude, you left, like, five or six bets on the table that would have won. However, that's always counterbalanced by the fact that there are mornings I'll wake up or when I'm box score checking, I'm like, oh, you would have lost that game. You would have lost that game. You would have lost that game. So for the weeks I have where I think, oh, I left money on the table, there's also weeks that I have where I'm like, good thing you didn't bet. You would have lost money. It always balances out. I do. So I do the same thing. I just do it differently. Oh, that's definitely a thing. But isn't it human nature, or at least what I'm saying from like my fellow gamblers, is that you mm-hmm. always remember the bets that you didn't make that won, but the ones that you kind of thought may be a winner and then they're big, fat losers. 
You just mm-hmm. kind of push those off to the side. Like nobody acknowledges those on gambling Twitter. They say, see, look at what I talked about in the podcast. That was a loser. Like nobody ever says that. <laughs> but right. here's the one that kind of got me. Like, shouldn't we have seen this coming from Travis Kelsey? Like, I feel like the writing was on the wall. When he's back, he's back. And the circle of trust for receivers is very small for the Kansas City Chiefs. I am kicking myself that this wasn't one of my official bets because I did play this personally, but I also play like 15 things personally. Um, Was there something this weekend that you wish you would have played? Maybe, Kelsey. I never really bought the idea that it was over for Travis Kelsey, but I think with any player, whenever the bar is set so high, this happens all the time, regardless of the sport. When you've been banged up a little bit and the bar is just like through the roof, then anything that is not exceptional is considered is considered disappointing. But I think the one thing that I wished I'd put more money on was I think I would I wish I believed in the Chiefs a little more, I think. And whether that's Kelsey, whether it's Mahomes, whatever. But ultimately, I, I don't feel bad about not doing that because I feel like the Ravens as a team, everyone's going to say, ooh, Lamar, ooh, Lamar. You're going to hear that again and again. And he wasn't great. But overall, the Chiefs as a team, as a staff, did a really poor job against Kansas City. And so I think that ultimately, I, I wish I had taken advantage of some Kansas City props. But then again, that game went in a way where I would have never expected. The thing about the Ravens is this is that they had a historical season by many, many Mm -hmm. metrics. Seriously, outscoring teams, beating very good teams defensively. This was a historically great team, and as a team, they blew it yesterday. So I guess I shouldn't kick myself too much for saying, oh, I should have been on Kansas City because I just did not think that was going to happen. The Ravens, they blew it as a team, as an organization yesterday. Terrible. Right. Uh, During the regular season, this looked like the team that was to beat, you know, and on paper, I think both of us kind of argued the case for the Ravens in this one. And there were plenty of people that liked the Ravens in this game. But the one stat that took me away from betting on the Ravens was the one on Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. Now improves to 10-1-1 against the spread when getting points. It is such a simple handicap, but one that I think that needs to be on the surface, especially with the Super Bowl coming up and Patrick Mahomes once again getting points. But let's get into the best of the best of this previous weekend and get to MVP Monday. Here are your nominees for Monday MVP. MVP! 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 Well, hello, beautiful people. How are we good doing morning. today? Good. Good, good, good. I have pink eye, David, so well, you what know, do you think? You know, it could be worse. You could be Lamar Jackson. I mean, you you just got to put it out there and see how life goes. I'd be richer. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's, that's true. true. <laughs> a lot richer. That's true. But you'd also, you'd also be a choke artist. So there's that as well. So let's get into the actual people who were... MVPs over the weekend. Uh, nominee number one, Brock Purdy, 49ers. Purdy steps up in the pocket, runs away from a sack. Purdy 
runs for a first down, cuts back inside. He dives down to the line, 27-yard line. Here's Purdy, looking, firing in, oh, caught, Ayuk, touchdown. Well, pressure steps up, going to run, has a little room, Purdy with a nice move, first down, Purdy's still going, staying on his feet, down to the five, and it's first and goal for the Niners. Purdy helps lead a 49ers comeback for the second straight week in the playoffs as he rallied the 49ers from a 24-7 halftime deficit. Purdy threw a touchdown pass and ran for another 48 yards as San Francisco outscored the Lions 27-7 in the second half. The 49ers play will play for the NFL record seventh Super Bowl title in two weeks. Nominee number two, Travis Kelsey, Chiefs. Drifting right, throwing. What a catch. That was Kelsey pulling it down for the first down on a fourth and two. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. Mahomes down the field, wide open. It's Kelsey again, who's having just a monster first half. Kelsey helped the Chiefs get to their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years with 11 catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. Kelsey caught the only TD pass of the game for the Chiefs, and he and Patrick Mahomes now have more touchdowns than any other combo in NFL playoff history. Nominee number three, Yannick Sinner, tennis. Sinner's signature shot brings up championship point. Sinner wins his first Grand Slam title with a five-set victory in the finals over Medvedev. Sinner lost the first two sets before winning the final three. Sinner becomes the first Italian to win the Aussie Open since 1976, and it was just the eighth time in Grand Slam finals a player rallied from two sets down to win the title. Nominee number four, Luka Doncic, Mavericks. 30 piece in the first half. Luka splits a double, keeps the dribble alive, all the way to the hoop, scooped to the hoop with a ball, point 71 and 72. Luka scored 73 points against the Hawks on a Friday night establishing a new career high and franchise record. Luka's 73 points ties for fourth highest in NBA history, trailing only Wilt Chambers, Chamberlain's 100-point performance, Kobe White's 81, and Wilt Chamberlain again with 78. So, Jenks, on this beautiful Monday, who is your MVP? Brock Purdy. No one's going to give this guy any credit. I'm, oh, am I wearing Niners colors inadvertently today? I sure am. What else do you want from a guy? Seriously, what else do you want? A guy that has led you to the NFC Championship game and now the Super Bowl in his first two years? Oh, he has weapons around him. Yes, he does. And as we saw last year against Philly, you can't just insert anyone at quarterback and all of a sudden, poof, 
the Niners start winning. This guy, I believe, is second to Lamar Jackson as the favorite to win MVP. He's, what, 19-4, and four, something like that, as a Niners starter? He threw 31 touchdowns, 11 picks this season. And all I hear is, well, you know, he had that one pass that bounced off a defense. So what? Like, what else do you want? At the end of the day, if you're going to look at someone through a certain lens, you will find a way to frame them in a certain way. They could do something right 99 times out of 100, but you'll come out and say, oh, see, see, see. Remember that one time without taking the entire scope of what we've seen into account? It's just low-hanging fruit to me. So nobody's going to credit Brock Purdy. They're just going to say, here we go, here we go. Oh, oh, he's got so many. Christian McCaffrey, I saw that catch by Brandon. I, whatever. It is a team game. The Niners are loaded, no question, but they're also not here without Brock Purdy. So I will give him his flowers. Brock Purdy, Monday MVP. Uh, you know who deserves some flowers? Patrick Mahomes, who is, wasn't even one of the contenders in our MVP Monday. Because I know the storyline for Brock Purdy is really something. The fact that he was Mr. Irrelevant and he's here now. And he certainly does deserve his flowers. But are we not going to talk about Patrick Mahomes now punching his ticket to another Super Bowl? The guy's 28. Isn't this the fourth Super Bowl he's going to play in? That is absolutely bananas. You look at his resume right now, and it's up there with some of the greatest to ever do it. His 14 playoff wins right now, only behind Brady and Joe Montana. This is somebody who is still at the peak of his So I feel like we need to at least mention him. Obviously, Travis Kelsey made the list. Who you think throwing him the ball? That would be Patrick Mahomes. But it just feels like ho-hum, Patrick Mahomes in another Super Bowl. And people are almost tired of the greatness. But he had a clean game in this one. The Kansas City defense certainly deserves some credit here. But I think with all of these candidates, or at least the, the football ones, it is a team game. You don't get here without the team around you. And you could say that for Brock Purdy as well. But it did feel like we needed to at least mention Patrick Mahomes, who also, to betters, I will say this stat 15 times on the show today. Patrick Mahomes is an underdog, 10-1-1 and against the spread. He's the only quarterback here that was getting points. So I'll do MVP of this Monday, Patrick Mahomes. I can't disagree with any of those, but I'm going with the greatest tight end performance in a playoff game I've ever witnessed, and that's by Travis Kelsey. Um, at one point in the game yesterday, he had 11 targets and 11 receptions. That is yep. un-freaking-believable. Travis Kelsey took it to another level. He was inside the heads of a lot of those defensive players on Baltimore. And kudos to you, Travis Kelsey, because guess what? You set the tone early on in the pregame by messing with Justin Tucker. I think that just messed. He was messing with them the whole game. And I believe that that's what set the tone. They were in the heads of the Baltimore team, both offensively and defensively. So Travis Kelsey gets my MVP for this week. I think there were a lot of great candidates and I wouldn't argue against any of them. Like all of them had great performances and we didn't even mention the other two, but let me say one thing about Luka Doncic. Like, yeah, 73 points is super impressive no matter how you slice it. But if you do it against the Hawks, the Wizards, the Pistons or the Hornets, like, doesn't that take something away? Like 
think it's the Hawks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, a little bit. Although his shooting splits were incredible. Like he, it wasn't one of those right. performances where he was taking a ton of shots and missing a ton of shots. Like he was crazy efficient. But yeah, to your point, it is the Hawks. And also, I just want to slip in. Nobody's going to credit the Chiefs defense. I would put the Chiefs defense. I said that. I know. I know. But of course, immediately everyone goes back to Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying Chiefs defense also deserves to be on this list. Otherworldly yesterday. Yeah, but Patrick Mahomes is one of the goats now. Um, but I did say something about the defense in my little spiel. So I mentioned them. Maybe they didn't get the credit, but I mentioned them. All right, what will we mention next? Uh, we will talk what's coming up next for the two losers of the weekend. The Lions and the Ravens coming back from a heartbreak. How can they do it? That's next on The Daily Tip. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back, off and running on this Monday edition of The Daily Tip. In a few minutes, we will try to dive in to the heartbreaking losses that fell to the Lions and the Ravens, what went wrong, and why the future may be a little bit brighter for both of these teams. Because waking up on a Monday morning, if you're a fan of the Lions or the Ravens, probably not the best of mornings for you. And, you know, you're probably trying to look for a silver lining, but these type of losses, they stay with you for quite some time. Like for me, mm-hmm. how many times have I brought up the AFC? Uh, or it wasn't even the AFC championship game. It was when the Titans were the number one overall seed in the AFC, and they lost in the first round at home to the Cincinnati Bengals. Like that one stung for a while. How long do you think this heartbreak will last for number one, Ravens fans, and number two, Lions fans? Well, it's going to last a lot longer for the Ravens than the Lions because the Lions the Lions weren't lucky to be here. That would be overstating it. But relative to what they've done in the past, the Detroit Lions are now the only team in the Super Bowl era to have never played in a Super Bowl. Before this season, they had never hosted back-to-back playoff games. Never. So Detroit broke through a lot of barriers this season, and it hurts when – You had the lead at halftime. You had these guys, and Dan Campbell made a couple of questionable decisions on fourth down, so it will sting because you think, well, if it could have gone this way or that way, maybe we win this game, and I certainly understand that. But ultimately, relative to expectations, this was a huge season for the Lions, a great season for them. The Ravens' loss will sting for a long time because, yes, it's the Chiefs, but also – the Ravens' game plan going in, the mistakes that they made, how they approached this game, how they were able to temper or not temper their emotions or all of those things that got away from who they are as a football team. So when you lose your identity in the biggest game, of the, the crazy thing about the Ravens and Chiefs game, because it felt like the Chiefs dominated the entire time, the Chiefs didn't score in the second half of this game. They, didn't, they did not score because the Chiefs' defense was 
unbelievable in this game. And part of that had to do with the Ravens game plan. But it's going to sting for Baltimore because this was the biggest event in that city since, what, maybe 1971, where they actually hosted an event in this city. The hype around here was incredible. They were favored to win that game, and then everything fell apart for them. So ultimately, I think it stings longer for Charm City, unfortunately. And I hate it. I have a lot of Ravens fans that are friends of mine, but that was a tough one to swallow. How do you think Zay Flowers is feeling? Man, if anybody knows heartbreak, he's got to be having a rough morning. And I did see several of the players on his team go up to him and try to talk to him. But this mm-hmm. is one that's going to sting for quite some time for Zay Flowers. The fact that he had that touchback in the end zone, he had the taunting penalty, and then he punched something on the bench, and he bloodied up his hand. But you've got to remember, he's a rookie. Like, how old is he? He can't be that old. Like, no, I understand, like, oh, I know. And to be, to do that in such a a game that had such a big spotlight on it, because I get what you're saying about Baltimore. This game felt so meaningful to the city. So when you see them lose at home like that, I feel like it stings more. As opposed to the Lions, who had to go on the road, and it was a team that felt like they were playing with house money. Even though, you know, blowing a 17-point lead is never fun, I agree with you. I think the Ravens and certainly Zay Flowers are the ones that are feeling more heartbroken uh, and even going into the future because the AFC does not get easier. Patrick Holmes Mm -hmm. is 28 years old. You're always going to have to go against him, it feels like. In the AFC, it feels like a gauntlet. Like, look at the young quarterbacks. We've been saying this for quite some time now, but these guys are still in their prime. We don't even have Joe Burrow in this edition of the playoffs. So it just feels like a really tough path back to this spot for the Ravens. Do you think Lamar Jackson can win the big game? Do you think that's a fair narrative? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I don't, no, I don't. I don't think it's a fair narrative. I think that Lamar Jackson is still in his 20s. He's about to win his second MVP award. And he was amazing last week. And people were, and got no credit. It was just like, oh, he's still going to choke. Like, dude, he was amazing against the Texans. The Texans were playing great football going in. And also, I really don't think that yesterday's loss can be put at the feet of Lamar. Now, he made some serious mistakes. He was really, he was pretty bad yesterday. No question about it. But I, I kind of think that's a little lazy where, if you look at this game, then the Chiefs defense dominated and the Ravens didn't adjust. When you talk about the Ravens, think about their season. What was it about the Ravens we always said? 
They run the ball on the ground. They just hammer you on the ground. They go after you. And then they wear you down in the second half because they've been so physical in the ground game. And then Lamar is able to pick his spots because the Ravens are a two-dimensional offense. Then he can take off. He can throw down the field. And the Ravens pulverize teams. That's the thing. The Ravens weren't just sliding by. The Ravens were crushing teams. So I didn't understand, and I don't think anyone else understood, why the Ravens coming out throwing on first and second down? That's not their game. That's not their game at all. So Steve Spagnuolo was more than happy just to keep blitzing. Like, we're going to blitz you guys because you guys aren't going to adjust. The Ravens needed to run the ball. They didn't do it. And then they didn't handle their emotions yesterday. How many penalties did we see from the Ravens in really bad spots where they've got Kansas City on a third down? They can stop Kansas City here from advancing the ball. They can get the ball back. Bad penalty. Stupid penalty. They just kind of lost their minds. That Zay Flowers was one for taunting. Completely unnecessary. So there were a lot of things that went wrong yesterday. Lamar Jackson, I think, will get his. Again, he's about to win his second MVP And how many quarterbacks have we seen over the years who have struggled earlier in their careers? A lot. And then eventually they get over the hump. And also he was going up against an incredible Chiefs defense and a Chiefs team that I think is better than at least I was giving it credit for. There is no shame in that in losing to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. It does happen. Ask Josh Allen. I think Lamar will get his eventually. I think there is a lot to kind of unpack here because there are shades of every little narrative that are true. And then there are other things that kind of need to be explained. Doesn't it almost feel like Lamar Jackson is kind of similar to the position that Peyton Manning was put in all of those years trying to defeat Tom Brady when he Mm -hmm. was playing for the Colts, you know, and it's just such a gauntlet. When you get to this stage, you are always going to be facing one of these great quarterbacks. And it just so happens in the AFC, you have one of the greatest of all time. And Patrick Mahomes, he's only 28, but I feel like he's going to go down as, you know, at least 1B or maybe number two behind Tom Brady. We don't know. His career's not over. But let me ask you this, and I totally agree with all of your points that you're saying, mm-hmm. but if this game had happened to Josh Allen or Dak Prescott, do you mm-hmm. think the narrative would change? And do you think more people would be saying, oh, well, you know, this game's completely on the quarterback? Well, that depends on how the game goes, right? So everyone's going to say this is all on Lamar Jackson, just like they're going to say, oh, my God, it was all Patrick Mahomes. And I just think there's a whole lot more to it than that. So maybe if Josh Allen gave away two or three turnovers in the red zone, then possibly. But I think the it depends on whether or not you have the right game plan in place if you are – if you are coaching correctly and like at some point you can have the right game plan, your coaches can be doing their jobs. And then at some point the players just don't deliver. So you really do have to take it on a game by game basis. When it comes to the bills and chiefs, for example, I know it wasn't the ASC championship game. I thought I talked to a bills fan who said this, and I thought this was very astute, which was it sucks to lose to the chiefs. We could have won that game, but this wasn't our best team. This just wasn't our best team. And so I think that's kind of how I feel about the Bills losing. I thought they were going to win that game, but it's not an incredible Buffalo team. It's a Buffalo team that sort of put it together, and it wasn't because of coaching. They just they just didn't really have it. So 
I don't really know how to answer the idea that, okay, if this were another team, maybe we'd put it on the quarterback if it was all the quarterback. But when it comes to yesterday's game, I just, Lamar was not great. I'll be the first to tell you, but I feel like this is a big team loss for Ravens team that didn't look like anything that we saw from them during the regular season. I think so too, but I am just starting to think about things that are making me look at this differently because if you're the MVP of the regular season, and I understand mm-hmm. football is very much more of a team game than say like basketball, but look at the blowback that Joel Embiid got in the postseason. The fact that he was the regular season MVP and he's kind of counted on to be the guy in the postseason and he just didn't show up. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson didn't show up. I am just saying that if we are going to give Lamar Jackson all the credit when he's good, I think he deserves some of the blame when he's bad. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I think it should go both sure. ways. Oh, like I said, he was bad yesterday. I am not trying to absolve Lamar Jackson from his performance. He was bad. That interception he threw into what triple coverage? I don't know what he was looking at there. He had a fumble in his own in Ravens territory where he dropped back to pass, got stripped, recovered by Kansas City. So Lamar was not great yesterday. He overthrew some simple passes. But I I think that was exacerbated by a game plan that didn't benefit who he is as a quarterback, is what I'm trying to say. But I'm not trying to act like he wasn't he wasn't bad yesterday. That was not his best game. He did not look like an MVP yesterday yesterday. Like not even close. So I think it's one of those let me put it this way, very simply. Lamar Jackson had a really bad football game yesterday. So I understand why people are saying, oh, he chokes in the playoffs. I also think at the same time that the Ravens did a terrible job offensively of putting him in a position to succeed. That's what I think. Well, I think point simply to that touchback. If they would have gotten that touchdown, boy, had the game probably come out differently maybe the Ravens don't win but I do think the game overall looks much better for Lamar Jackson maybe he's not pressing in that uh, drive that they had with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter so that's how sports is it is one big play that can kind of turn the momentum on its ear and that simply was it that's when all of the air seemed like it sucked out of the stadium in Baltimore and it felt like the game was over Uh, Mm -hmm. but I do think this is going to be one of the talking points today is a lot of people are going to be examining Lamar Jackson moving forward. But here's my question. Okay, so you pin the loss on Lamar Jackson. Who else are you going to get at quarterback? Because everybody loves to say, oh, we can't win the big one. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what quarterback are you going to get? Patrick Mahomes is not available. Joe Burrow, not available. Who are you going to get? Like, that's the thing. You love to, like, people, not you, people love to say, oh, Oh, we can't win the big one. You need a different quarterback. What quarterback are you going to get? You can't just be single for a while. Who are you going to get to replace him? That's an excellent point. Oh, he's so terrible? Fine. Make a trade for Trevor Simeon right now. I don't know why he's become my punch and bag on this show. Maybe because he's just the first guy to, to pop into my head. Go make a trade for Gardner Minshew. Go out right now. Grab Russell Wilson. Just go ahead and and take him off the Broncos' hands. Go get Geno Smith. Like, there are some very good quarterbacks in the league. Lamar Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks on the planet. He is about to win a second MVP. I understand the frustration. I totally get that. But you're right. Okay, if he's so terrible, if he's always choking all the time, and he's so, okay, that's fine. Trade him away. Find someone to take on this. There will be plenty of teams to be like, we'll take him. We'll take him. That's all we need. We just need a quarterback. That's all we need. That's all we need. It's the most important position on 
any team in any sport. He is fantastic, but he was just bad yesterday. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I feel like maybe there was some coaching that could have gone into it because that is the biggest takeaway for me is how panicked that game felt. Again, it was only a 10-point lead, but we're making these throws into triple coverage, and I understand the coach can only do so much, but why is Lamar Jackson not running? How many times do you think that question is going to be asked today? A lot, and also I think – I'm not a big fan of listening to Tony Romo. Sometimes he drives me crazy. But I think he made some really good points yesterday as when the Chiefs decided, dude, the Ravens cannot handle the blitz. They have no answer for us blitzing. So we're just going to blitz and blitz and blitz. And Tony Romo was like, where is a slant route? Like, where is a screen? Like, where are any of these plays that you did to counteract everyone coming at you? Because what the Ravens are doing, they, they they would let the Chiefs blitz and send everyone deep. It's like, dude, it's going to take an extra second here for these plays to develop. And guess what? Lamar's going down. There's no place for him to go. There's no one open on these short routes. Throw a slant. Throw any, just design something to try and mitigate what the Chiefs are doing. And they just didn't do it. find a design run. But also, Chelsea, I think, too, this goes back to the the idea that if you get away if you're passing on every down like ultimately if you were if you were running the ball if you're the ravens and you decided to run the football well guess what that opens up passing lanes because then when you do decide to pass all of a sudden you're more of a balanced offense and it keeps the defense off balance and in those spots that's when lamar can take off off script which is when he does the most damage i'm just so frustrated god they had it right in front of them i don't know what they were thinking I can't even imagine how actual Ravens fans feel if we are this frustrated and it's not even our team. Although I do think we speak for America and a lot of people who are rooting against the Kansas City Chiefs who are now bringing their circus to the Super Bowl. Anyways, on the other end, we will get to more talk. Uh, This time, Bill Belichick, where's he? Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to The Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. And we are off and running. Good morning to you. And especially a good morning to the fans of the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. I am saying that because you probably need some positivity in your life. Now, last segment, we kind of dove into what went wrong for the Ravens. This segment, maybe we'll go into what happened for the Lions. And I'm sure that this will be a hot button issue all day is the decision-making by head coach Dan Campbell. Jenks, it's hard for me to look at this, I think, without any bias here because Dan Campbell is so damn likable. I feel like I want to make excuses for him because that man lives, breathes, and dies Detroit Lions football. He's so likable, but some of these decisions, you know, not to take the field goal, going for it on fourth down no matter what – you know, just speaking from just looking at the analytics, you would say, okay, these are bad Mm -hmm. decisions. But do you think that people will forgive him more just because he is a likable guy? Do you think people will move past this quicker than say if Mike McCarthy did this? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Mike McCarthy could have his shirt tail out. And they'd be like, look at that slob. He shouldn't be the coach of the team. I'm sick and tired of this. Show some respect for the game. Put on a suit. Would that kill you? Yes. Well, and also, this is, you know, I think it brings up a fascinating question, which is, can coaches evolve and change? And I don't know the answer. They they can. They don't always do. But going in, we knew this is what Dan Campbell does. We both talked about it last week. Dan Campbell is going to Dan Campbell. Now, sometimes that means that he gets it right and it benefits his team and he's hyper aggressive. Other times it means, ooh, that didn't work out and now you're in trouble. So sometimes this team lives by Dan Campbell and dies by Dan Campbell. They're going to forgive him because he is the coach who has led them this far farther than any head coach ever in their history he's I think he's very likable and I will say the one thing I do appreciate about him is that when they asked him about those calls he answered the question he said this is what I was thinking he didn't get angry at the media and lose his mind and he said I'd do it again this is what I was thinking now you can disagree with his reasoning that's all well and fine but this is who Dan Campbell is maybe he changes maybe he reevaluates some coaches have that self-awareness some don't but i think we all knew going into this game at some point dan campbell will make a call that might work and might not and sure enough we saw it right is better you just take this information and put it in your back pocket and say okay this is part of the handicap mm-hmm. when you bet on a team with a head coach like this this is part of the risk involved and i will say the lines did cover so there is that um, but it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. Some of these decisions, you know, just ended up looking so poorly. And also, you know, hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. If they would have converted mm-hmm. them, maybe wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about this quite as much. But still, blowing a 17-point lead, you know, any coach you put that on, that is a big deal. And that is a big problem. When you have that big of a lead in the first half and you can't hold on to it, I don't care who you're playing against. That is always going to follow him until, you know, he has a better performance. So I would say that I do think the path to get back here, Dan Campbell even said this Mm -hmm. after the game, and he was very honest, and I think that's refreshing. He said it's going to be twice as hard to get back here, and he knows that. He says we're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows damn well who we are and the bullseye that's going to be put on our back now that we are one of the top teams. But, Jenks, do you think it's going to be tough for the Lions to get back to this stage? I sure do. I think he's exactly right. That's an astute point to make because the Lions now are, I don't think they're a flash in the pan at all. It's, I think it's proven now that they have a lot of young talent. They have a very good head coach. They have a solid quarterback. They have a lot of individual talent. Now, they certainly have some weaknesses, but now they can draft and build on those weaknesses and and strengthen up those areas that need to be tightened up on their football team, particularly in the secondary. But now, I think going into the season, most of the time, the Lions were the exception this year, most of the time when there's sort of a, a Vegas darling or a, a team that everybody kind of gets hot on. Like for a few years, it was the Browns. And I was like, no way. I'm not buying into this. And I kind of thought the same might happen with the Lions, but they were the exception. A lot of people said, watch out for the Lions, watch out for the Lions. A lot of people are on the Lions, and they were right. But A, they can't sneak up on anyone. And then B, that's hard to get to this point. It just is. 
The Eagles are a perfect example, a, an absolute perfect example of how difficult it is because who would have guessed at the beginning of this year that the Eagles would just have the wheels fall off at the end of the year and lose to Tampa Bay of all teams. So you can lose coordinators, you can lose players via free agency. Sometimes a coach's message gets stale, whatever it is. I'm not saying those things are happening right now in Detroit, but the offseason will change a lot. It's just really difficult to get back. Even now, as good as the Chiefs have been, when they go back to the Super Bowl, they are looking to become the first team to win back-to-back -back Super Bowls in 19 years. So, yes, they've had sustained success, no question about it. But to get back to this point, he's right. It's going to be really hard. I think a lot of it will also hinge on neither of their coordinators have been hired for other jobs yet, have they? Because no. that's the other problem. When you have a team like the Eagles, when you make it to the Super Bowl, everybody's going to want to hire your coordinators for your new head coach. So we've heard some scuttlebutt about Ben Johnson possibly leaving for a head coaching job. Like mm -hmm. maybe he doesn't, but I think that goes into it as well. Like if you lose one of those coordinators, like most, you know, obviously the offensive coordinator, it's going to be tougher for you to get back to that point. But they do have some good pieces to work around. And watching this team, I will say, is a lot of fun. They have a lot of speed mm -hmm. on that team. Jameer Gibbs, my goodness. I thought my TV was in fast forward at certain points <laughs> in the game. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think Lions fans should be feeling? Like, we just talked about how difficult it is to get back to this point, but you can still have a good team. Do you think Lions sure. fans should be hopeful for the future? Oh, absolutely. Again, especially compared to the past, but I do think they're going to lose their offensive coordinator. I think Ben Johnson, who has been great this year in Detroit, it's not a foregone conclusion yet, but I think the commanders are going to hire him as their new head coach. Everything we hear is that he's going to be the guy here in D.C., so I expect that to happen. So right there, just what we were talking about, you're trying to keep everyone together, a guy who has spearheaded your offense, who clearly has everyone on the same page, who has put everyone in a position to succeed, who was good yesterday in a big mm -hmm. spot, and he's probably going to leave. So that will be a huge hire for the Lions. So things can and will change, and I'm almost positive that's going to happen. So that that's part of every winning season because coordinators, like you got to strike while the iron is hot. If you want to be a head coach in the National Football League, you can't afford to wait. If you get a position offered to you after a great season as a coordinator, you got to take it. But I will also say at the same time, relative to the lack of success they've had in the past, this was a real breakthrough for them and their fans getting to host home games, win home games, and to get this close. I mean, they were leading the Niners at halftime. So I think if you're a Lions fan, based on what has been a miserable history up until really this season, with the exception of a season or two, you have to be excited about where you're headed because at least you have the talent and head coach in place. And normally it takes more than like a couple of years to break through, yeah. you know, all of the losing and, you know, all of that to get to another level. Cause you kind of have to have that playoff experience. Like obviously there are guys on this team that have playoff experience pointing at Jared Goff, but for an organization, normally it takes a couple of years. Like look at what the mm -hmm. Bengals did with Joe Burrow. They made it to the Super Bowl, but they didn't win a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying right. that's a knock on the organization. It's just, it's really hard to get to this stage. What do you think the betting lesson was in this game? Because I think we went back and forth on this game. I, ultimately, I don't think if either of us really picked a side, like I think we leaned towards the Niners, yeah. but we didn't love the points there. 
What do you think the lesson was coming out of this game from a betting standpoint? Oh, from a betting standpoint, that's a mm -hmm. good question. I would say ultimately that the Niners have proven if you're banking on or if you were banking on the idea that the Niners can't come from behind, I think the last two weeks have proven that they absolutely can. And I know they weren't down, what, going into the fourth quarter is more halftime as opposed to last week they were down going into the fourth quarter. And in that spot, they were 0-31, trailing by more than five points going into the fourth. But the Niners are a team that are, are built to play from ahead, right? So if you're trying to handicap now the Super Bowl and saying, well, if the Chiefs jump out to a big start and all of a sudden they're leading the Niners early, Watch out because San Francisco can't come from behind. Well, in recent history, the past two weeks, particularly this game against Detroit, has shown us that the Niners do have the wherewithal to rally from being behind. And that's something they had not done under Kyle Shanahan before. So I'm not saying throw it out completely, but certainly that's something that that idea or that trend has been broken through over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, live line on this game, I believe, was... At one point, the Lions were laying eight and a half, eight and a half points. So, you know, if you believed in that metric, you take, you know, the Niners live, which is very easy to say after the point. But I think the other betting lesson that we learned here, or at least that I learned here, is that look at the more recent sample size. Because if you told me during the regular season that the Niners would give up, you know, this many points, the defense has not looked that great over the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks and some flowers need to be given to each of these offenses both the Packers and the Lions but Jenks how much do you trust this defense going into the Super Bowl I don't know I'm going to talk about the next hour I will say this you're absolutely right and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and I know it sounded terrible at the time people were like you're stupid I was like I mean look the Nash defense has been a touch overrated lately but also this is where this is where the Super Bowl becomes really fascinating to me with the whole two weeks to prepare. And I think this is a spot where Andy Reid is great, but also you can mitigate a lot of a lot of your weaknesses on defense because then you have time to game plan. You can sort of, you know, run some sort of misdirection in in in, in some spots, which isn't normally used for offense, but you can do some things to hide your weaknesses based on having an extra week to get ready for another opponent. Yeah, but then you have to face Patrick Mahomes, which is not Ooh. usually the cure for an ailing defense. So we will see. We've got our popcorn ready. All right, coming up at the top of the hour here on The Daily Tip, it is a Monday in the NBA. We will give you our best picks and lanes next on The Daily Tip. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.